0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church, located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Awesome. Let's get to the message. Uh, super excited. The title of my message today is, I want to make a difference. Look to the person next to you and say, I want... All right, we're going to try that one more time. Say, I want... To make... A difference... Me and my wife, Paige, uh, celebrated a few months ago five years of marriage. Five years. So, love my wife so much. She's here, right here. She opened service. It's such a great job. I was so ready to worship. It was great. Um, And... There's a few things, if you've been married for any amount of time, um, that you know that you end up finding things out about yourself um, that you didn't know, that you didn't know. Um, Now, because I wasn't born yesterday, um, I'm going to only share things about myself, um, things I didn't know. Um, I may have only been married five years, but I ain't no fool. Um, (laughs) I ain't no fool. Um, So one thing that I've learned about myself uh, is that I am not one of those people that, uh, as some people would say, like to show up to things on time. Like, that's not, that's just not me. Um, I've, I've realized that. And I realized that because my wife is like, she loves to show up on things on time. So for example, let's say she has a coffee meeting at 9.30. 9.30 to her means at 9.30, maybe even 9.25, she's at the table, coffee ordered, She's prayed before she got there. She's ready to minister. She's ready to pastor. And she's ready right when the clock strikes 9.30. Now for me, 9.30 means I just got to be on the way. Like I just got to, can I, can I shoot a text at 9.30? I'm almost there and not be lying. Like that's, that's on time. Like can I be telling the truth if I'm, if I'm on there? Alana said, amen. And... And some of us know why. And if you don't, you'll find out later than everyone else because she's always late. Just kidding. Um, that's one of the things that I learned is I just can't show up on time, on time. Another thing that I learned, uh, and this might be some of us, is it's very, very hard for me to share food. Like anyone, anyone else, like it's very, now, now where, <clears throat> where are my food shares at? Like, yeah, you just love sharing food. You just love it. Now, I'm going to assume the reason you love sharing food is because the food you're sharing might not be yours. Like you might be, oh, I love sharing your food. It's great. I do not love sharing food. Like, where's my people who don't like sharing food at? Just raise your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do not like sharing food. Have you ever noticed, and I guarantee this has happened to all of us, to where you're ordering food, and now DoorDash is like the thing. So you order DoorDash, and you ask, hey, do you, do you want any, we'll say fries. Do you want any fries? No, no, I'm, I don't want any fries. I'm not that hungry. Now, are you, are you sure? Because we can order you Some fries, like that's cool if we order you some fries. No, 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 I'm not that hungry. It's fine. It's fine. Are you sure it's fine? It's fine. And then you're at the table and you're eating and you pull the fries out the bag. And now, if you don't like to share food, you know the look. Like there's a look before the person's about to ask you for some of your food and they give you that look and it's like, can I have a fry? It's, like, the hardest thing in the world. I was thinking about this the other day. Why is it so hard for me to give people, like, a fry? Like, you feel like you're the most generous person in the world. Like, I may as well be, like, Daddy Warbucks. Like, I'm literally, like, the most generous person. Here you go. One fry. Don't ask for another one. Like, like who does that? Me. Me. I do that. <clears throat> but it's so funny because, like, if you don't like sharing food, like, you don't even, like, You don't even, like, you don't care if the other person's starving. Like, the other person could literally be starving, and it's like, all right, this is the one fry you get. Yeah, use it. And it's it's usually not the good one. Like, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. (laughs) You know exactly what I, you can have this one, the one I was going to keep in the bag anyway. Like, you got it. And I heard a pastor say this, that what happens when we come to church, and we don't, go out into the world, and we don't make a difference, is that's literally like you and I being full of hope, full of peace, full of joy, and walking past other people that are starving. That's literally what it's like. It's like we're walking around with the answer to problems, with the answer to things that people are going through, and yet we walk around full while other people are starving. What you're going to have to understand about your walk with Jesus is that a lot of times you're going to have to choose between comfort and calling. That's usually what the choice is. Do I wanna stay comfortable or do I wanna walk in my calling? So if we're going to be people that want to make a difference, we have to choose calling over comfort. We have to be people that walk in calling. And there's a story in the Bible where a guy has to kind of make the same decision. And the story is about a man named Elijah. And Elijah asked God for a sign. Now, what's basically happening is that Elijah and these people are in an argument. They're saying, hey, our God's real. Elijah's saying, no, my God's real. And they're arguing and they're back and forth. So Elijah decides, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put down an altar and you call fire down from your God. And if your God lights the altar on fire, then your God's real. But if my God lights the altar on fire, then my God's real. So the other people are trying and they're doing all they can. The Bible even says, I didn't, I didn't share this with our students when I shared a similar message. They start cutting themselves up. They're like, we got to do whatever we have to do in order to bring fire and nothing happens. And then all of a sudden, Elijah prays and he says, God, these people, they don't believe in you. They don't honor you. Would you show them that they're real? And he asked God for a sign. Have you ever asked God for a sign before? Like, God, show me if this is the right person for me. God, this parking lot is mighty full right now. Would you open it up, Lord? God, would you show me a sign? And Elijah asks God for a sign and God delivers. Fire falls down from the sky. It's this incredible moment. People can no longer deny that God is real. And then all of a sudden... The people that this happened to begin to write him a letter and the letter says, hey, Elijah, we didn't really like that you did this that much. So because of that, we're gonna kill you. Yeah, zero to 100. Like when you get canceled in the Bible, you don't lose followers, you lose your life. Like that is like, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So Elijah goes on the run and the Bible even tells us, or or scholars even believe that he begins to go through depression. And there's this moment where he's sitting under a tree and he's there, and he's literally praying, God, would you take my life? So do what he says. Elijah, who was just faith-filled, who was just fired up, who was just doing amazing things for the gospel, is now saying, God, would you take my life? And he ends up going to this cave. And in 1 Kings 19, 9 through 18, it says, there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here? Elijah. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Let's pray one more time before we get into the message. God, I thank you that you're a God that wants us to make a difference that you want us not to leave the things that you've called us to do here, that you don't want us to leave, God, the healings that we get here, but you actually call us to go out. Go out and make disciples. Go out and teach people the word. Go out and baptize people of God. So may we be people that go out. May we be people that go and make a difference everywhere in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So for the next 20 to 25 minutes Um, I really just want to talk about how do we make a difference? How do we make a difference? And I think that there's two reasons, if you're taking notes, why we don't make a difference. And the first one, I think, comes from this first part in the story. And there was this study done on Olympic gold medalists, and I might have shared this before, but basically what they ended up finding out was that Olympic gold medalists eventually are usually very subject to depression, And they found out that the reason why is because what happens is you spend your entire life trying to go after this gold medal, and then once you get it, you don't know what happens next. One Olympic gold medalist even described it as spending your entire life trying to climb a mountain, working hard to climb a mountain, doing everything you can to climb a mountain, and then you get there and you enjoy the view for about 10 to 15 minutes, and then you have to walk back down. So what this shows me is that it's very, very hard to bring the emotional high from a lot of our lives to the darkest places of our lives. And Elijah has now just had an emotional high moment. Like this is the services of services. This is the Easter's of Easter. Fire has just fallen down from the sky. Like if I just prayed, God, make fire fall down from the sky and it happened, we could all leave. There would be no reason for me to be here. And it happens. But what Elijah finds out is that it's very, very difficult to take the emotional high that you had in the crowd with you to the cave. It's very, very difficult. You see, Elijah's faith-filled on a Sunday, but he's going through depression on a Wednesday. Elijah's fired up at church on Sunday, but then he's running for his life by Thursday. And one of the biggest questions that I get from people is how do I take what God's done in my life on a Sunday all throughout my week? Because it feels like God can speak on Sunday. It feels like God can heal on Sunday. It feels like God can do amazing things on Sunday, but it doesn't feel like God can speak to my Wednesday. It doesn't feel like God can do things throughout the week. And the reason why it's so hard to make a difference is because of point number one. The God in the crowd doesn't feel like the God in the cave. The God in the crowd just doesn't feel like the God in the cave. Have you ever felt like this before? to where it feels like God can really only do his special healings, his special words, his special moments for the little bit of time that you and I spend together on a Sunday morning. And then all of a sudden you go home and the anxiety that you thought you were freed from begins to come back. Or the addiction that you thought you put behind you begins to come back. Or the things in our lives that you thought you were healed from begin to come back throughout the week. And what's interesting is that our natural reaction is there must be something wrong with me or there must be something wrong with the church. Those are usually our two responses. There must be something wrong with me. I must not be able to feel it anymore because of the decisions I made this week. I must not be able to worship the same way in church because of what I said to my spouse this weekend, because of what I've done. I feel like it must be me or our responses. I feel like it must be the church. Have you ever found yourself in one of those conversations before? You know, where you're sitting there with someone and they start saying, do you remember when church was so good? when they used to sing that song? Oh, do you remember when the, when the preacher used to give you the goosebumps? Do you remember when, oh, do you remember when church was so good and then what do we do? We spend our lives trying to recreate fire, trying to recreate wind trying to recreate earthquakes only to find ourselves going from church to church, place to place, pastor to pastor, repeating the cycle of addiction, repeating the cycle of anxiety, repeating the cycle of depression as if we've never even stepped in God's house in the first place. The God in the crowd doesn't feel like the God in the cave. And because of this, point number two, the reason why it's so hard to make a difference is because I feel like I'm all alone. Because when you can't feel the presence of God, it's very hard to feel the people of God. That's what you have to understand today is when you can't feel the presence of God, it's hard to believe that there are people for you, that there are people around you. How do I know? Because in verse 12, it says, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out, stood at the mount." mouth of the cave, and then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put prophets to death. I'm the only one left. He says, I'm all alone. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Um, I have not gotten my wisdom teeth out. Who in here has gotten your wisdom teeth out? Just wave at me, just wave at me. Who in here you haven't gotten your wisdom teeth out? Just wave, just wave. Now, I haven't gotten my wisdom teeth out, not because I'm afraid of the dentist, but because I'm afraid of what I'm going to say afterwards. Like, that's like <clears throat> my biggest fear is what am I going to say? Because we've all seen the videos. We've all seen the YouTube videos. We've all seen the TikToks of people just saying the craziest stuff. So I don't want to be one of those people. One of my buddies got his wisdom teeth out and he's there and he's sitting in the bed. And of course, he's saying crazy stuff. So what else are you going to do in that moment if you're his family? You start recording him. So they started recording him and they're like, hey, if there's anything you need, we got you. If there's anything you need, we're family. Like this, we got you. And he goes, I need something. So everyone's surrounding him. And they're like, okay, what do you need? And he's like, I need something, and it's very important. I need toilet paper. <laughs> and they're like, what, you need toilet? And they're like, yeah, 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 I need toilet paper. So they start, you can hear it in the video, they start going out, and they start bringing him toilet paper, and they're like, here you go, here's the, here's the toilet paper, I guess. And, and he's there, and he's like, oh. No one brought me what I asked for. We're like, okay. And then you can sell there in the video. They're like, okay, you, you wanted toilet paper. We brought you toilet paper. Like, is there a different brand? Like what? like, what are you asking for? And he's like, no one brought me anything I asked for. And they're like, okay, could you describe it for us? Like the toilet paper that you need. And he's like, can anyone please bring me toilet paper that I can put on my toothbrush? And we're like, wait, what? Like, do you mean toothpaste? And he goes, literally in the video, he says, I've been saying toothpaste the entire time. Like, we're like, (laughs) no, you haven't. But it's this moment where he's literally there and, and I feel him a little bit because he's like, no one understands me. No one, no one understands me. I'm all alone. And there's this moment in our story where Elijah's there and God asks him twice, Elijah, why? are you not where I've called you? Why are you not going where I've asked you to go? And the, quest, and the response that Elijah gives is, God, no one loves you anymore. No one cares about you. They're worshiping other gods. I'm the only one left. Have you ever felt that way before? <laughs> like to where I'm up here and I'm like, hey, you should make a difference in your workplace. You should make a difference in your family. Yeah, fired up, let's go. And you're like, No one in my workplace loves Jesus. (laughs) No one in my job cares about Christianity. No one in my family cares. No one in my school cares. I'm the only one left. The reason why Elijah has such a hard time leaving the cave is not because he loved the cave, but because of what was waiting for him back home. It's what was waiting for him. You see, Elijah had people who were ready to kill him waiting for him. Elijah had people who were bullying him, waiting for him. Elijah had people who didn't like him, waiting for him. So I would question if the reason why you're having such a hard time getting maybe motivated to go make a difference, getting fired up to go make a difference is because you understand what's waiting for you. You see, some of us have bosses that don't honor God waiting for us. Some of us have family members that don't know Jesus waiting for us. Some of us have people that we're coaching or students that we're teaching that maybe are doing the exact opposite things that we're asking them to do, waiting for us. And Elijah says, I'm the only one left. I'm all alone. Wouldn't it just be easier? And we can say this because like we're family. Wouldn't it just be easier if you could just do life with people you liked? (laughs) Wouldn't it just be so easy if, you just woke up and you're like, I'm just gonna see everyone that I like today. And you woke up and and the worship team is like your alarm clock. Like, we need a move. It's like, all right, I'm up, I'm up. And Pastor Tyler's there to motivate you every single day. I'm doubling down, you're having a good day today. Like, like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it just be so much easier to live for Jesus if we could just do it that way? But the reality for a lot of us is we're the only Christians in our workplaces. We're the only Christians around. We're the only Christians that maybe we even know outside of people in this room. And it's like, God, people don't love you. God, people don't care about you. God, I'm the only one left. But what I love about God is he doesn't leave Elijah in his isolation, Said so he doesn't leave Elijah in this moment. And as the keys come up and we get ready to close today, I love how the story ends. It says, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. The reason why you can go back, I have two points, and then we're going to close today. The first one is God is with me. The reason why you can go back is because God is with me. Now, growing up, um, I was the most, like, stereotypical little brother, like, ever. Like, I'm the baby of the family, and I was, like, the stereotypical little brother. Is anyone here, like, you're the baby of the family? Yeah, 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 yeah it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? Growing up, maybe we did get what we wanted, and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> let's, let's normalize that. Let, let's, let, let's make that okay. Like, I feel like I always had to argue, no, I didn't. I did, and it's fine, and it's fine. Where are, the, where are the middle children at? Anyone? Middle child? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle child? You will never meet anyone more frustrated <laughs> than a middle child. Ever. And, and I figured out why. <clears throat> I know why. I know why. It's because at one point, you were the baby of the family. That's what it was. <laughs> at one point, you got everything you wanted. So it's like if you came up to me and like for, the, for like literally probably 10 to 12 years of your life, anytime you asked me a question, I just said, yeah. Hey, can I have a dollar? Yeah. Hey, can I have ice cream? Yeah. Hey, can I have pizza? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like 12 years, after 12 years of this rhythm, you ask me and I'm like, oh no, actually that's for your little brother today. Like, I get it. And then there's the oldest. Where's the oldest at? <clears throat> yeah, I'm totally convinced that, you know, if you're the oldest, your parents probably just tried stuff, you know? Like, <laughs> Let's go for it. Like I'm fully convinced that if you're the oldest and you like catch up with your scrambled eggs, like they were like, let's just try it, let's just try it. Now, there would always be these moments though, where, and I, and I shared this with our students to where you're at home and I want you to envision like you're 13, terrible year, just kidding, just kidding. If you're 13 in the house, come to youth, we'd love to have you. Um, <laughs> If you're uh, 13 and you go home and you just got home from school and you're ready to put on like that show, like, you know, that show, like whatever that show was, whether it was, you know, Saved by the Bell, like Fresh Print, like whatever that show was, like you put on that show when you're ready. And you're like, I can't wait to go home and watch my show. Like, it's about to be awesome. And then you go home and you walk into the living room and all of your sibling stuff is all over the place, like just everywhere. Now, have you ever, if you have siblings, went and asked them to move stuff, um, and it didn't go well, like, it just didn't, like, don't tell me what to do. Like, okay, I guess we can keep your socks on the ground. It's cool. Um, but there would always come a moment where you'd be at home, and you're with your family, and you get, like, the okay from your, from your parents, and they're like, hey, could you go tell your little sibling to go clean up their room? oh, I have never had so much authority in my life. Like you walk in there and you're like, clean your room and clean it right now. Like, or else you're grounded. This is my house. You will live under my rules. Like you have so much more authority. And the reason why is not because of you. The reason why is not because you all of a sudden started paying bills. But the reason why is because of who sent you. And what you have to understand, the reason why you have authority to go into your workplace and make a difference, the reason why you have authority to go into your family and preach the gospel, the reason why you have authority to go to the school that you teach at and be a light is not because of you, but it's because of who sent you, but it's because of the God that sent you. It's because of the Jesus that sent you. So Elijah's in this moment and he's in the cave and an earthquake has gone Fires flying everywhere, winds are tearing the mountains apart, but there's no God. And then all of a sudden, there's this moment where he's sitting there, and the Bible says that there's a whisper. What you have to understand about this whisper is this whisper is not like, like let me tell you a secret. Like that's not the whisper. The whisper actually means that there was a pause, it means that there was a moment of silence. And for a moment, there was no earthquake. For a moment, there was no fire. For a moment, there was no wind. But God was there. But the presence of God was there. But the authentic encounter of God was with him. And the goal, church, is not that you would spend your life jumping from earthquake to earthquake, fire to fire, wind to wind, trying to recreate encounters in your life. But the goal is that you'd be able to be in your cubicle at work and be able to say, God, there might not be a band there, but you're there. God, I'm, I'm at home and my family doesn't lo- love you. And there might not be a preacher there, but you're there. God, I'm coaching this team and everyone's acting crazy. And there might not be a church building there, but you're there. Can I encourage you, church, there are not enough conferences, churches, or preachers that will ever be a good enough substitute for an authentic encounter with our God. There will never be a person, there will never be a band that could ever substitute for an encounter with the living God. And there are some of us who have fallen in love with earthquakes, and God wants you to fall in love with the whisper. There are some of us who have been obsessed with earthquakes. God wants you to be obsessed with the whisper, obsessed with his presence, obsessed with his church, obsessed with serving, obsessed with the word. Elijah may have had a cool experience in the fire, but he had an encounter in the whisper. You see, Elijah may have had fun in the fire and it was awesome in the fire, but what gave him his calling, what gave him his purpose What healed him from his depression was not the fire, it was the whisper. And I believe for our church, God wants us to put a higher priority on the whisper this season. That we are not called to live earthquake to earthquake, but we're called to be in the whisper. So I wrote down three quick ways to stay in the whisper. How, how do I stay in the whisper? The first one you have to read the word of God. Who in here would like to hear God speak? Raise your hand. Anyone, anyone? Yeah, yeah. Who in here would like to hear God speak? I heard a pastor say this. If you want to hear God speak, read the Bible out loud. <laughs> he, has, he gave you words. <laughs> He's spoken. <laughs> read the Bible out loud. There's even some statistics, and we've shared them at church before, but I just felt it so important to share again that when you go from three days to four days of reading your Bible a week, it's dramatic. It's dramatic what happens when, when you go from four to, three to four, two to four, what happens? You have 57% lower odds of getting drunk, 68% of lower odds of sex outside of marriage, 61% lower use of pornography, 74% lower odds of gambling. So if you struggle with addiction, greed, or any of those things that I just listed, read the word. Do you struggle with greed? Read the word. Do you struggle with lust? Read the word. Do you struggle with addiction? Read the word. And I love the positive aspect of this. 228% higher odds of sharing your faith with others. 231% 231% higher odds of discipling others, 407% of odds of memorizing Scripture. So do you want to know Scripture? Do you want to know the promises made about Do you want to make a difference? Read the Word. And the second thing you have to do is when God does speak to you, write them down. Write down what he says. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.18, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. Why? So that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Are you going through a battle? Write down the words of God. Write down the things that he's told you. Why? So that when you feel like you can't do anything in the world, you can remember, no, I'm called. Jeremiah 29.11, I know the plans I have for you. John 3.16, I'm loved. When the world tells you that, you're not, lo- You're loved. Write down what he spoke to you. And the last one is pray. 2 Corinthians 7, 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, not and post, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. I'll hear from heaven, forgive your sin, heal your land. What's the, what's, how do I do that? How do I get there? Pray. You have to pray. Prayer can do things that you cannot do on your own. Prayer can bring hope that you can't bring on your own. Prayer can bring joy that you can't bring on your own. And the last reason why I think we can go back and make a difference is the last thing and then we'll be done today. First Kings 19, 15. <clears throat> I love how the story just comes to a close. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. I want to pause right there for a second. What did he say? He says, Go. Go back the way you came. What you have to understand is go is active, it's not passive. I looked up the original language of the word go when it would have been used. You want to know what it means? Go. (laughs) Go. Go, go, go make a difference. Go make disciples, go. The Bible should leave us, lead us to action. It is not supposed to be passive. It is not supposed to be a pick-me-up. It should lead, lead us to action. And then it finishes and it says, when you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. Anoint Elisha son of Shaphat to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword and Elijah will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So the second reason you can go back is because people are with you. God is with you. People are with you. I've shared this before, but me and Paige have a rule in our house that we're not allowed to scare each other. (laughs) One of us, may have broken that rule a couple weeks ago. I'm not gonna say who because I'm not a fool, but it wasn't me. I'll let you figure out who it was. But the reason why is because there are very few things that are as dangerous in life than believing that no one's there when they actually are. And there are very few things in your faith that are as dangerous as believing that nobody's with you when they actually are. So Elisha says, God, I'm the only one left. I'm all alone. There's no one here. There's no one that loves you. And what does God say? He says, I have 7,000 people waiting for you. I have 7,000 people waiting for you to go back. I have community for you. I have purpose for you. I have people for you. You wanna know who was in that 7,000? We just read his name, a man named Elisha. The first person The first person we see Elijah meet when he goes back is a man named Elisha. And if you know the Bible at all, you know that Elisha would turn into an amazing prophet, that he would preach the gospel, that he would save the nation of Israel. But Elisha does not get anointed if Elijah stays in the cave. And what you have to understand is that the goal of this message, the goal of church is to get you to take your eyes off of the problems waiting for you and to place them on the people waiting for you. What you have to understand is people are waiting for you to start that group. People are waiting for you at your job to make a difference. People are waiting for you in your school to preach the gospel. People are waiting for you in your family to invite them to church. And I believe in this next season of our church, God's not asking us to stay back. God's not asking us to stay quiet. God's not asking us to stay in the cave but he's asking us to say, hey, I'm too anointed for the cave. I'm too called for the cave. I have people waiting for me. I got family members waiting for me. I got people in my school waiting for me. You wanna know what the Bible says in John? The Bible actually tells us that light will shine in the darkness. And the Bible actually tells us that it is impossible for darkness to overcome the light. So are you going to a really, really dark workplace? Praise God that the light's going with you. Are you going to a really, really dark home? Praise God that the light's going with you. Are you going to a really, really dark family? Praise God that the light's going with you. But can you go back? Can you go back not to gossip? Can you go back not to be quiet? But can you go back, why? To make a difference. And if you want to make a difference, it's going to have to be active. It can't be passive, but God's calling us to go back. Come on, let's stand to our feet. And we're gonna close. And we ask this question every single week if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart. We say this means two things. The first one is Jesus, I want you in my heart. That there are things in my heart that I need you to take out. There are things that aren't in my heart that I need you to put in. And the second thing we say is, Jesus, I want you in my life. There's habits I have, there's things that I do and I don't wanna continue to be my own savior, but I wanna accept a savior. And if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna count to three and I wanna ask you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to share anything. I'm not gonna ask you to tell your story. I just wanna know who I'm praying for. And if that's you on the count of three, I would love for you to raise your hand. One, two, three. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Give you a couple more seconds, I see you. You can put your hands down. The second thing I want, I want us to open our eyes because I want us to see that we're not alone. But if you're here and you wanna make a difference, that you gotta go home to some things, that you got some people waiting for you, can I encourage you? As I was praying over this message, I really do believe that God wants even this message to equip you to go back, that it's time to go back. Some of you, you've stayed in the cave, it's time to go back. Some of you, you've been living in all. it's time to go back. You've been the quiet one at work, no, it's time to go back. You don't have to be the extrovert, but you do have to be the one that's called, that's gonna preach the gospel. You don't have to be the loudest one at the lunch table or the loudest one when you go out to lunch with your family, but you do have the one that's living with integrity. But you do have the one that's living with conviction. This is the last thing I'll say, and I said this to our students, I just feel like I'm supposed to say this, but the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means there's no shame. There are some of you who have not went back because of condemnation, that you haven't made a difference because of shame, because your friends know the old you, because they know the things that you've done. But the difference between condemnation and conviction is condemnation points to me, but conviction points to God conviction says, yeah, I might be a little messed up, but God's got me. Conviction says, oh, you don't know what I used to do, but you also are going to know my story, but you're also going to know the end. Come on, God can't maybe use your condemnation, but he can use your conviction. Come on, God might not be able to preach your condemnation, but he can preach out of your conviction. So if you're willing to say, I want to make a difference, I want to go back, I'd love for you to just raise your hand with me. On the count of three, one, two, three. If you want to make a difference, if you want to make a difference, if you want to make a difference, hands up all over the room. If you want to make a difference, it's awesome. That's awesome. We're going to pray this prayer. It's called the sinner's prayer. We pray it because we believe that we're all sinners saved by grace. So repeat after me, say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Make me brand new. Forgive me of my past. As I choose today to make you Lord of my life for the rest of my life. And God I thank you that your word tells us that we're new creations that the old has passed away and that the new has come so I thank you for moments like this that remind us that we're not just new but we're made new by your grace we are made new by your mercy and we're made new by your love God may we live life with a different conviction God may we live life with a priority on our integrity with a priority on our character with a priority on our purity so that we can make a difference God may we be different we're not supposed to be like everyone else we're not supposed to talk how they talk at the, at the water cooler. We're not supposed to live how they live in our family. We're supposed to be different. So God, may we walk out of this building different. May we walk out of this building, not with condemnation, but with a conviction that says, I know my God. That says, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. May you give us conviction today, God, to make a difference. God, may schools be different. May offices be different. May cities be different. May you send revival in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.